What would a Chinese classic look like if you translated it into Scots rather than English? In this episode, we're going to find out. I'm Angus Stewart, and you're listening to the Translated Chinese Fiction Podcast. So this episode is about The Moss Flow, which is Brian Holton's translation of Shui Hu Duan, uh, known in English as Water Margin, uh, also known as Outlaws of the Marsh, also known as All Men Are Brothers, and also known by quite a few other English names. And it's also thought to have been written by quite a few different um, Chinese writers, the original version, I mean, of course. Uh, there's various competing theories as to who wrote this text. So the two kind of front runners for the possible author, as it were, are Shi Nai An and Luo Guanzhong. The plain English version that I was using as a reference, uh, which was translated by Sidney Shapiro for the Foreign Language Press, uh, that lo- names is the word I'm looking for. That names Luo Guanzhong as the author. Uh, some other likely candidates are Shu Hui and Guo Shun. I'm just referring to the Wikipedia page for this. That could be a starting point if you're interested in this question of authorship. Uh, but for the sake of this podcast episode, I'm just going to focus on Brian Holton and his uh, Scots translation, The Moss Flow. Not going to look too much at the kind of mysteries of who wrote the original version. Before I do that, I'm just going to quickly do the plugs. So if you want to support the show and help me pay for the hosting fees, basically, for SoundCloud, there's two places you can do that. There's the Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash trchfic, T-R-C-H-F-I-C, and you can give a wee monthly contribution, and in return, there are wee bonus shows. I do like a 5-15 to minute bonus show for each episode, and those are all up there for your listening pleasure if you want to be a Patreon contributor, subscriber, I forget the correct noun. And then for a little one-off um contribution, there's buy me a coffee. Buymeacoffee.com slash churchofic. All these links will be in the show notes. Uh, and there you can buy me a proverbial coffee. There's also the Twitter and the Instagram. So the show has a Instagram account. It's as you might have guessed, churchofic. And on Twitter, I'm Angus Likes Words. I'm not churchofic on Twitter. And you can use both of those to kind of keep up. Uh, with what I'm doing for the show and what other things related to all things Chinese and literary I'm kind of nosying around in. And you can also use them to chat with me if you wish. If there's anything you want to ask or if there's anything you'd like me to say on the show, uh, something I could address. If you want to correct me for some hideous mistake I've made, those are the places to do that. So I'd love to hear from you. So our next burning question is who's our translator? Who's Brian Holton? And it's a question with interesting answers, because he's lived a pretty interesting life. He was born in Galashiels in Scotland in 1949, but he spent his first six years of his life in Lagos in Nigeria. And for his career, he's been in all sorts of different places, doing all sorts of different jobs. Um, he started off in Scotland and the Scottish Borders in the, the BBC, BBC Radio Scotland, and uh, in a museum. Then he had some different academic positions in Edinburgh, in Ningbo. In back in Edinburgh again, in London, uh, England, Newcastle, Hong Kong. And I, from what I can gather, he's uh, settled in Hong Kong since about the millennium. And he's, he's married to a Chinese lady, uh, Guo Ying, who is herself uh, an, an author. She writes travel books. Uh, but what he's mostly done as a translator is translated the misty poet uh, Yang Lian uh, into, as far as I'm aware, Scots and English. 
So he's got various publications of Chinese poetry and pieces into Scots, not into English. And he is the only, um, basically your world's only um, Chinese to Scots poet. And the big project he's been working on for a very long time, which is, if there is a finished version, the world, or the, the world of publishing hasn't seen it yet, is his translation of Water Margin. I think it was possibly originally titled Men of the Moss Flow, and then it's since changed to The Moss Flow. But yeah, so he's he's an interesting figure. He's certainly not your um, your typical literary Chinese translator, and he is interesting in that he's strongly uh, associated or paired with one Chinese author, Yang Lian. His unique selling point, apart from that, I suppose, is the fact that he translates into Scots. So the next burning question, and maybe burning more fiercely for some than others, is uh, what is Scots? Now, for some, uh, it's a contentious question, and I'm certainly not a academic expert of Scots, and you can maybe hear from my voice. I haven't got the strongest Scottish accent, and when I'm kind of in conversation with my other Scottish pals, I don't use uh, that many special Scots words, the words that exist in Scots English that don't exist in quote-unquote standard English. So... If an American or other foreigner asks us, us people, the, uh, the Scottish people, do you speak Scottish, we could interpret that two ways. We could take it to mean the quote-unquote indigenous language of Scotland, uh, Scottish Gaelic, Gaelic, but that is not, it's not a dead language, but it's only really spoken by a small portion of the population in uh, the Highlands, the Western Islands, and the West Coast. A... Speaking Scottish to most Scottish people would mean Scots, so uh, the Scot Scotland's version of English, a, a dialect. I think there's lots of disagreement as to whether, well, at least online, there's a lot of disagreement about whether Scots is a language or a dialect or what. If I had to call it something, I'd call it a dialect. But yeah, Scotland's version of English, and it's something um, every Scottish person speaks to some extent, uh, some more than others. Uh, it's something we cover at least a wee bit every year in English class. Like in primary school, you'll get some kids-friendly Scots poems. And then as you get older, you get given Robert Burns' uh, poems. He's our national poet, and he wrote in Scots. The Robert Burns variety of Scots is old. Modern Scots, if you want a good example of modern Scots written on the page, I can name two authors you should look for. Um, Irvin Welsh, the guy who wrote Trainspotting, and then uh, Chris McQueer, who's who writes funny wee stories um, using Scots uh, for his characters when they're speaking in first person and for their, their dialogue. The, the, the Scots in the Moss Flow is, I would say some of it is maybe the more oldie uh, Robert Burnsy Scots with older vocabulary, and then there's other bits which really do read like modern Scots. Uh, the other tricky thing about Scots, well, there's a few tricky things, it's mostly a spoken language, so it can be a bit fiddly on the page because you can have like contradictory spellings where or where not to put apostrophes if you're missing a letter and also like scots doesn't sound exactly the same in different parts of the country so like my example would be i'm from dundee for i for i like i did this i did that in dundee we'd see eh eh did this eh did that uh, but in i think in most of scotland it wouldn't be eh it would be ah i did this i did that you could probably pick out lots of other examples. You could probably pick out um, 
words that are used in some parts of Scotland in Scots that aren't used in others. The more you kind of get into it, I feel, the more fiddly it is to think about how one should write it, which I think makes this um, translation from Chinese all the more interesting. The uh, the choices um, Brian Holton's made to kind of synthesise from Chinese and synthesise his own way of writing Scots. There's my very uh, inexpert take. If, if you are someone who disagrees, do. Do do so. Use Twitter or Instagram to send me your hate mail, please. So, burning question number three. Um, what's Water Margin about? What's the story? Well, I'll try and give you my elevator pitch. So this is a, one of China's four classics, and it's the only one, I believe, written in vernacular Chinese. You remember from the episodes I've done talking about new culture um, movement writers who were advocating a move in Chinese literature away from classical Chinese, kind of like Shakespearean Chinese, as it were, to something closer to spoken Chinese. So it's appropriate that Brian Holton's picked this one to translate into Scots, a very vernacular spoken form of English. It's about bandits, basically. It's about this band of outlaws who end up in conflict with the government, as it were, the imperial Chinese government of the time they're living in. It's set during the Song Dynasty, I believe, and I believe it was written during the Ming Dynasty. And the kind of band of outlaws grows and grows, and then eventually they kind of are defeated by the government, but the government allows them to band together to fight against the invaders. And water, uh, the Moss Flow, at least the version that's available, it doesn't make it, it hasn't, You. it doesn't go all the way up to this uh, defeat at the hands of the government. So in the Moss Flow, our bandits are just bandits. They haven't become kind of like patriotic resistance fighters yet. Since we're on the topic of um, the four classics, I'll just name the other three. I'm sure a lot of you listeners uh, know these four, but um, if you don't, the four, the so-called four great classics of Chinese literature are uh, Water Margin, Three Kingdoms, Journey to the West, and Dream of the Red Chamber. And their English name, they all have a few different English names. Uh, three, I think Three Kingdoms, you might also come across it being called Ballad of the Three Kingdoms, I think. Um, editor's note, the Romance of the Three Kingdoms, not the Ballad. Uh, Journey to the West, that's um, one popular translation of that. It's called Monkey. It's the one about the Monkey King and his, his pals going west. And Dream of the Red Chamber um, can also be called Story of the Stone, uh, A Dream of Red Mansions. I think the Dream of the Red Chamber is easily the coolest name out of those. Um, that's just my opinion. So where did I get this copy of The Moss Flow, since it's um, not fully available to read? Well, it's up online for free on a website called The Scots Corpus, which is basically a collection that's been put together of lots of different writings in Scots. And The Moss Flow was included in this Scots Corpus. I'm just going to go to the, uh, the Scots Corpus website and read a wee bit of its description of itself just to help you guys understand what it is and what the moss flow is doing up there. So this is from the homepage of the Scots Corpus and it's kind of a description of itself, an introduction. I'm going to read through it uh, swiftly. So quote starts here. Recent years have brought significant changes to the political situation in Scotland. Just giving you context here, this would be following the launching of Scotland's parliament. So giving Scotland its own devolved semi-independent government. This new political situation has been accompanied by a resurgence of interest in the languages and culture of Scotland, 
Advances in computer technology have made it possible to store and analyze large quantities of information in ways which were previously unthinkable. As a result, in recent years, much research in the humanities has focused on the building of large text archives and corpora. Such resources offer exciting opportunities to study language on a broad scale and with a precision which would otherwise be impossible. Otherwise, be impossible. The Scottish Corpora Project has created large electronic corpora of written and spoken texts for the languages of Scotland. The Scottish Corpus of Texts and Speak, uh, Speech, and that spells Scots, they're pointing out in brackets, has been online since November 2004, and after a number of updates and additions, has reached a total of nearly 4.6 million words of text. Audio, with audio recordings to accompany many of the spoken texts. A sister resource, the Corpus of Modern Scottish Writing, was launched in 2010 and now comprises 5.4 million words of written text with accompanying, com accompanying images. Together, the Scottish Corpora allow those interested in Scotland's linguistic diversity and in Scottish culture and identity to investigate the languages of Scotland in new ways and to ad address the gap which presently exists in our knowledge of these. The resources also preserve information on these languages for future generations. So there you go. Um, my wee comment relating to the Moss Flow is that the Moss Flow is not in the corpus of modern Scottish writing. It's in the main corpus. And I think that makes sense because the language Brian Holton uses is not really modern Scots for the most part. It's um, a little bit more old school. We'll get into that a bit more. So the... Just to give a wee bit more explanation, the organisations which were involved in this were the University of Edinburgh, the University of Glasgow, and the Arts and Humanities Research Council. So that would be UK state funding. And I, 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 unless I'm mistaken, a similar or the same uh, government organisation helped to fund um, the publishing of A Perfect Crime, Aes book in English. So... Just interesting to see where some of the non-commercial um, funding sources for this kind of stuff comes from. It's it's interesting and it's good that it exists. So how did I get onto this one? Uh, why why the Moss Flow? Well, it was thanks to Twitter. I was observing a conversation that um, James Palmer, the editor of uh, senior editor of Foreign Policy, yes, the senior editor of Foreign Policy, uh, was having about um, when certain Chinese words should remain in Chinese in English translations. And he was saying um, that sometimes there's value in choosing more obscure or archaic words if you're translating folklore. And he gave uh, the Moss Flow as an example because it goes to old kind of Scots words and he thinks that's what makes it work so nicely, so beautifully, he says, even to English speakers. Although I, I would agree that the kind of folksy or archaic feel that the Mosul has does work. The Scots works to that effect. Does it work beautifully for English speakers? So I don't necessarily have that perspective because I'm Scottish and I, I can read most Scots as it's written on the page, but I have a wee bit of doubt as to how accessible the Moss flow is to people with zero understanding of Scots. Just a suspicion. We'll get more into that uh, later on in the show. So speaking of archaic Scots words, there's the title itself, Moss Flow. What's a Moss Flow? It's not just something that um, Brian Holton made up. A Moss Flow means a wet peat bog, a quagmire, or a swamp. And it kind of plays into the swampy, marshy setting of, of the story of Water Margin. Some of the um, translated English names name the marshes 
as well as the mountains that the bandits are camped out on. So I'm just quickly going to go through um, all the different names that this uh, story's had in translation to English, just to give you a feel for that. So we have in no particular order, uh, Water Margin, Outlaws of the Marsh, Tale of the Marshes, All Men Are Brothers, Men of the Marshes, and The Marshes of Mount Leung. One of the ones that stands out as being a bit different, All Men Are Brothers, that's an early translation by Pearl S. Buck, um, who also wrote The Good Earth. Uh, she's a very interesting lady worth looking up. Um, I think the moss flow does stand out as well. It alludes to the marsh, doesn't use the word marsh, uh, doesn't name the bandits or the men being brothers, alludes more to the landscape. I don't know if there's any kind of deep things to say about that. But yeah, there's, there's your overview of all the different translations of the title. So there's been a lot of translations of this book. There's been a translation into Manchu, lots of different translations into Japanese, there was Pearl S. Buck's um, early translation, which was well received, but did have some kind of errors, some some, some kind of mistaken or poor choices in translation. Uh, there's the Water Margin translation from 1937, and the one by Sidney Shapiro, the, um, the Foreign Languages Press one from 1980, Outlaws of the Marsh, that's generally considered to be the best standard English one, but yeah. There's your kind of full potted history of the translation of this text. I believe it's um, thought by some that should uh, the Moss Flow ever be published, it will in some ways surpass um, any standard English translation of Water Margin. That's a bit contentious because I don't think it's going to be nearly accessible to English speakers as standard English translations, but it's an interesting hot take. So to give you a feel for how my uh, first impression of the text went, I'm going to read you the wee opener. Now, at the start of the story, it's kind of what you might call in a Hollywood film a cold open. It's um, separate from the main action, and it's with uh, characters who, as far as I'm aware, don't appear again, again in the text. So this guy, Marshall Hong, he's um, sent on a mission. Well, Marshall Hong, I should say, in the Muslim version. Marshall Hong is sent up a mountain to find a monk, and... Um, kind of fails on the mission. The monk already got the message before he arrived and passes him unknown on the way. And then Marshall Hong goes and accidentally unleashes 108 spirits. And in some way that leads to the forming of this band of 108 bandits. I shouldn't say spirits, they're um, demons. I forget exactly how they're named in the Moss Flow. Maybe it's just demons. But yeah, uh, I'll read you a wee bit of the opener in the Moss Flows Scots to let you get a feel for it. Right, so this isn't the very start. This is just a bit I know I can read without messing it up. Say it was at Furfula Thrang, step at the Consular in Chief Zhao Zhe and the second secretar, Wen Yanbo Wa Proponent, Afurin the pest orins the cap the capital, and monies the lieges at Ford Fordune, I don't know that word. Fordune thereby. It's our humble asking that the king's heinous foresaw his love and mercy be the loosen, loosen, don't know that word, the loosen of felons, the lichtening of unlaws, and the diluting of the cess, we mass and mate to begin again this ill dispensation, and remed se broch to the commenty. Yeah, I, I suck I suck at this, but there's there's one excerpt, I'll, I'll find another one for you. Tacking the royal orders, Marshal Hong gied his fair wheels to the son of heaven, and with a dictaman on his back and the royal incense in his horn, he back at his post horse, led his men ye, men ye? Don't know what that is. 
his menu of scenery score out of the eastern capital and gied smately to Worthyburn County of Faithlands. They wan our land gied by to Faithlands town, where officers of he and lake degree, lake, I'm sure some, I must know people who knows what lake would mean, where officers of he and lake degree come out ayont the burr dikes to welcome them in. Men were often sent to let Ken, the Abbey Maester, and the Dragon Priests of Sublimity Abbey on Dragart, Dragon Tiger Bray to guard them busk their seals to get the dictum in. I've got to say, it's a lot more fun reading this aloud than reading it off the page. And there are some things I could comment on here. Oh, it's not Marischal, it's Marischal, Marischal Hong. Interesting. Um, so yeah, he's um, he's translating some of the proper nouns in an interesting way. So a lot of titles like Marshall in the plain English becomes Marishal, Marishal, and place names. In a standard English translation, your place names would usually be rendered in just pinyin, the original Chinese word, or maybe they'd go for a very neutral, safe uh, translation to English. But um, Brian Holton's kind of going all out here with names like Worthyburn, Burn being a stream, Faithlands Tune. I'm not sure what the original Chinese is there. Um, and things like uh, streams, he calls them burr dikes and stuff. So it, in a way, it's a more creative, I suppose, translation, a bit more bold, but in a way it's capturing the kind of archaic, uh, folksy feel of the original text. I'm quite curious, by the way, um, how much sense this is making to the non-Scottish listeners. Um, if, if you've got anything interesting to say about the uh, le- how much you can understand or you want to tell me how crap my reading is, Twitter and Instagram, just get in touch. Okay, here's another wee bit about uh, Marishal Hong and his climb up the mountain. Um, so he's about to meet a tiger. Then a flaff of wind raised up out of the quarry on the bray side, and when it was by, on a sudden fray and a hint the pine trees, we a girl like thunder, a muckle white-browed gowden-haired beastie. Not beastie? Beastie? A gowden-haired beastie we boggling came bringing out at him. Marishal... Marishal? I want to say Marishal. Hmm. Marishal Hong, fair gate of flag. He geed at the a skreek. Don't know. He geed the a skreek and cowp it o'er backer. The muckle beast came, at, came on at him. Run and run, we girlin and we gowpin. Till it turnt and it skelp it after back the banking and a what? The banking and all. Doing the back banking and all. There we go. Marishal Hong was left streak it out at the tree foot. That flayed his thirty sacks teeth was dirlin together, and it, and his hair was playing dun dun, dun dunty, nice. And his hair was playing dun dunty like dun 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 dun, like fifteen buckets on a wall. Seven of them, seven of them gone up and echt. Oh God, seven seven of them gone up and echt, echt of them got. Okay, seven seven of them gone up and echt of them gone doon. His hale body was numb, like he had the paralytics. I the hawks, he was like a warrit fechting cock, and his mouth was I Dulani. If I was better at reading this, it would be really good. If I was like 30% better, it would be awesome. So the only wee, real comment I've got on that wee excerpt is you can feel there's a wee bit of humour there, the kind of um, onomatopoeic thing for the heart there, the dunty dunt. I'm I'm not sure how much of that's in the original um, Chinese. I have read this section's original English. Uh, I don't remember there being a dunt dunt of the heart, but yeah, it's um, quite amusing this one uh, if if you read it the right way. 
Okay, I'm going to read you another wee bit where uh, Mayor Shohong is learning that the kind of wise monk he's been looking for is actually a kid. It's being explained to him. Our present papes know to be lithely. For ah, he's a bairn. He's beyond our wise and skilly. He's a he's a lunat, ah, together by the common, a sheen and luminance in Elka Eret, and his prayers is effectful upon either thing. Worldly folk cries him fundator via ver- <laughs> via Perfidor. Fundator via Perfidor. So that title there, that is not Scots. That's Latin or something that's kind of emulating Latin. And it seems like Brian Holton's done that for some... I, I wonder if it's terms in water margin which were in classical Chinese or more formal Chinese. So he's going for something that um, English and Scots draw on when they need some more classical terminology. Um, Latin, or at least in this case, something that looks like Latin, which I think works tonally, but God knows how I'm supposed to know what a fundator via perfidor is. Um, maybe understanding's not the point. I'm, I'm not quite sure. Probably a lot could be said here by someone who's more knowledgeable than me, but I've only got myself. So I'm going to go through some pros and cons of um, the Moss Flow, pros and cons of using Scots and the way that Brian Holton's done it. Um, and then after that, I'm going to do some kind of side-by-side -side readings. So I'm going to read Sidney Shapiro's English translation alongside Brian Holton's Scots translation. So the pros. Um, the Moss Flow certainly does have quite a folksy or epic or archaic feel to it. There are reasons for that beyond just the tone of the words. I think humour, like in that wee bit where um, Marshall Hong's fallen over and his teeth are rattling and his heart's beating. I think that works really well in the Scots that Brian Holton's using. There's like a cool otherworldly feel that I get from this book. I don't know if other readers would get it. Brian Holton's choice to change a lot of the place names to Scots places and the titles to kind of Scotsify them or in some cases Latinify them. It kind of fee gives the setting or the context a partly Chinese feel because the, the the actual names of characters like Hong, Zhao Zhe, Li Jun, they all stay in pinyin Chinese uh, but titles and places and proper nouns get Europeanized I suppose. So you have this weird kind of mythical unfixed in time and space setting. At least that's a feeling I get. I don't know if it's the same for other readers, but it makes this a bit, this kind of semi-localization semi thing. And yeah, I think it's just an impressive intellectual feat, what he's done with no one else to copy, just going out there on his own and embarking on this kind of crazy project, because um, Water Margin is a huge text, and he's going for a full, as far as I can tell, he's going for a full translation of the whole thing. So respect to Brian Holton, for sure. Um, some of the cons, I think, are the things that stop me really enjoying reading this. I think the Scots occasionally feels a bit jarring because it's, um, for me, the Scots I do feel comfortable with reading, as you maybe heard, I was stuttering there, would be modern Scots. And I feel like, especially reading this, just reading it in your head silently, you can't get full enjoyment of, of Scots. I feel like it to be at its max potential, it needs to be spoken. That's why um, when we do Burns poetry in school, we often speak it. And when we do things like uh, Tea Haggis or Tea Moose, it's best if someone's reading it full of gusto. I think I already mentioned that like some of the, the titles, the trans the um the characters, when their titles are uh, turned into funky looking Scots words or Latin words, um I don't necessarily know 
like what they are like Marshall okay I, I can see he's a Marshall um but Fundator via Verpador I don't don't know what that would be a Dictamen not really sure yeah quite a lot of titles here that just kind of leave me blinking and feeling confused Right, so now I'm going to do a wee side-by-side -side reading of just the very start of the text. I'm going to read Sidney Shapiro's, Sidney Shapiro's um, English translation first, and then I'm going to read Brian Holton's Scots translation. So these have both come from the same source text, the Chinese, and we're going to see how they compare. So here's the start of chapter one in the Sidney Shapiro version. Do, 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 do. After the five dynasties' turmoil and strife, the clouds dispersed and revealed the sky. Refreshing rain brought old trees new life. Culture and learning once again were high. Ordinary folk in the lanes wore silk. Music drifted from mansions and towers. All under the heavens, under the heavens, all was serene. Men dozed off at noon midst gay birds and flowers. This eight-lined poem was written during the reign of Emperor Shen Shenzong of the Sin... <laughs> of the Song Dynasty by a scholar named Shao Yaofu, also known as Master Kangjie. From the end of the Tang and all through the five dynasties, times had been troubled. One short-lived dynasty after had ruled after another. How true was the verse, Zhu, Li, Shi, Liu, Guo founded, Liang, Tang, Jin, Han, and Zhou. Fifteen emperors, fifty years in a row, bringing hardship, tumult, and woe. So there's your Sidney Shapiro English. Now I'm going to read our Brian Holton Scots from the Mosfolk. Ye the mixter master of the five dynasties start and stour. A day the cinder clouds and smear let keek the lift. Now hundred year old grass lies dagget we new rain. And menciful leer returns to the valleys once again. Ans again, sorry. Gossy silk is scale o'er honoured loans and winds. Pipe and therm in Elka Hall and Charmer Ring. The hail life world, the hail life world, not new tax, the play in peace. And palace orchids, we need the all, Dover in the sun. A while, this eckline stave was scrivit, be Shao Yao Fu, was Halley name was Maester Puritas, a wheelkent scholar at the court of King Shenzong. Or the, oh my god, what word is this? Umquil. Or the Umquil Huso Song. That must be Imperial? Don't know. Or the Umquil Huso Song. He was vexed at the five dynasties. Yon Hinnerin or the Tang times. When there was nothing but wear and brawly. In they days, it was gins. In the morning, wad be langs be nicked. Oh, that's good. That's really good. Gins in the morning, liangs by night. It was jings jins i the morning, wad be lang liangs be nicked, and richly was it said that ju li, shall I keep doing the accent? No, I won't. Ju li shu liu guo liang tang jin han zhou, fifteen kings together, scale fifty year o stushi. So yeah, there's your um, your two versions. As you can see, my mastery of the Scots is just not as up to par as how I can read the kind of more plain English, but there's maybe a bit more flavour in the Moss flow. You know, if, if you've got all the vocab and you're familiar with reading it smoothly, then you're you're in the you're in the gold seam right there. 
So I mentioned before that Brian Holton is also a maybe the key English translator of the Chinese misty poet Yang Lien, and I thought I would try and find uh, one of Holton's translations into Scots of Yang Lien because he's he's got a book called War was it War the War the Deep Sea Devolves yeah which is a translation translations of uh, Yang Lien's poems into Scots rather than English because Brian Holton's done both he's done Yang Lien's poems into English and into Scots. And I found a wee, um, a wee excerpt of writing, uh, Three Other Tongues, by Mr. Brian Holton himself, where he kind of reflects on the kind of uses of Scots and English for translating Chinese, both in relation to Yang Lien and also to um, Water Marge and Shui Hu Juan. So I'm just going to read that to you and then read the wee poetry excerpt that um, uh, Holton includes after this. So here we go. Quote starts here. It's also true that I can hear one kind of text in Scots and another in English. Though I have made Scots versions of, of some of Yang Lien's poetry, as a youngish, internationally inclined modernist poet with serious leanings, he often speaks to me more in English, whereas the down-to-earth subversiveness of an outlaw novel brings out the border reaver in my blood. I'm just, I'm going to put in a wee note here. Um, so in the Scottish and English borders, there was a quite a tradition, if you can call it, of um, raiding and uh, strife and trouble. And as I said at the start of the show, Brian Holton himself is from the borders. So that's what that means by border reaver. Okay, quote continues. And I can't help hearing Scots behind the Chinese when I read Shui Hu Juan nowadays. With Yang Lian, however, it seems to me that the essential hameliness that means like homeliness, and he's put in brackets here, familiarity and intimacy of the Scots, paradox paradoxically enhances the strangeness at the heart of his poetry, just as the ordinariness of his poetic, poetic diction in Chinese contrasts with the oddness of his vision. What Scott seems to bring out is an earthiness, an immediacy and a strength, which, together with the spikier rhythms of Scots, Scots certainly is spiky, uh, can transmit Yang's voice more powerfully than English versions have so far been able to. This is how he looks in Scots. So here's While the Deep Sea Devolves, and this has been put into Scots by Brian Holton. And he's uh, he's laid out the lines quite interestingly. Some are left aligned, some are centre aligned, some are right aligned. Can't really get that across to you in the podcast, but uh, yeah, it looks good on the page. Same as your weariness, blue's eye he her yet. Same as a body's glower gars, his wallet the sea, oh sorry, his wallet the sea, the sea, get twice as drich, gone back same as I, to the rock stain lug where the drum beats a smurit, peery coral corpse, a yowden drift, gary spreckles on deed fish, same as the, li the lift at builds your elka want, gone back to the meefs, same as the endless gone back, to the scores, storm heeds about ye, your pipes weird it to skirl on after tunes of corruption, either your death. How o' oh, the flesh, one blue's been kent at the last, the the misanthert, the misanthert, oh god, the misanthert, the misanthert sea, millions of condals, blithers and devolves. Oh, and then we have the same, but in English. Where the sea stands still, just as your weariness, blue is higher. Blue is always higher, just as a man's gaze compels, has chosen the sea. 
to be twice as desolate, going back as ever to that carved stone ear where drum beats are destroyed, where tiny coral corpses fall in a snowstorm, gaudy speckles on dead fish, like the sky that holds all your lust, going back to the limit like limitlessness, going back to the cliffs, going back to the cliffs, storm heads all around, your pipes doomed to go on, tunes of corruption playing after your death, deep in the flesh, as blue is recognised at last, the wounded sea, a million candles, stands dazzlingly still. So yeah, there is something lost once you just have it in plain English, like storm heads all about, all about ye, versus storm heads all around. The Scots, I think, is better there. But like, I, for me, the gothic-y darksness stands out a bit more in the English, um, even if it is plainer. Also, I read the English more smoothly, so it has that going I, re I really don't know how other Scottish people my age with better better handling of Scots would read this. I think there's a lot of words here that are maybe of Brian Holton's time and not of my time. And that's that's the thing with Scots, because it's spoken and it's vernacular, it evolves. And I would say more, more so nowadays, it, it gets more complicated because we have more uh, transmission of... Um, slang through the internet so different part different parts of the uk can speak to each other online using their own little lingos and as far i can't think of any concrete examples but i definitely think words from kind of informal slang from england have incorporated themselves into modern scots i have absolutely no evidence to back that up but um i just think it's a, a thing i've i've noticed that modern scots is interconnected with other informal ways of speaking in English, including American English, that it wasn't in the past. And Brian Holton's, he's not of that time, and he lives in Hong Kong these days. So the Scots he's using in these translations is old, oldie-worldy, I would say. So yep, that's um, all of my <laughs> amazing deep takes for this episode. Um, just another interesting thing I found again, just on the Wikipedia page, um, there have been kind of like proto-fan fictions of um, Water Margin, Shui oh, Huduan, um, written in Chinese a very long time ago. Um, there's a kind of like an unofficial sequel, Shui Hu Huduan, which means the later story of the Water Margin. Um, there's Jinping Mei, which is an erotic novel which features characters from Water Margin, written by different authors and there's a, a really interesting i can't think of the right word for this um a revisionist version that's the word um by uh, a mr dan koji oh no sorry that's the name of the text dan koji written by mr yu wan chun and it means its title means the tale of eliminating bandits where uh, basically uh yu wan wan chun thought no these are these are criminals they suck uh, so he wrote a version uh, where they were bad guys, ruthless mass murderers and destroyers, says Wikipedia, and uh, they all they all eventually get taken out by the government and I guess killed. Interesting stuff. So yeah, just a little fun factoid about Water Margin for for you guys. Um, all available for, for further reading if you just go to Wikipedia and then click the citations, as you should do if you're um, want to be better at citing your sources than me, just constantly referencing Wikipedia. Let's go on to our word of the day. So I thought I would give the name of the four great classic novels because there is actually a, a 
proper. There's a few different terms for this in Chinese, but I think the most common one is Si Da Ming Zhu, which means the four great masterpieces. Si Da Ming Zhu. Um, a wee handy phrase uh, I learned too late, honestly, in my time living in China is Yo Ming. Uh, I think literal translation might be something like have fame or have name, but basically Yo Ming means famous. So we could say, I guess, I correct me if I'm wrong, but we could say that um, Shui Hu Zhuan Yo Ming, water margin, is famous or has fame. There's your word of the day. So for the bonus show that I'm going to put on the Patreon, uh, the, I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to watch a little YouTube video of uh, Yang Lian and Brian Holton commemorating, I think, another member of the Holton family who was a writer and just talk about that, give my impressions. And I'm also going to watch the first episode of a 2011 uh, TV adaptation of uh, Water Margin. Its English name is All Men Are Brothers, the Pearl uh, Buck title. Because uh, the, the reason I've chosen this 2011 version, because as you can imagine, there's quite a lot of different TV versions. I was just putting in Google best, uh, best TV adaptation of Water Margin, and it came up with this article from the Global Times, which if you haven't heard of the Global Times, it's an English language nationalist um, state Chinese paper and website. So they they take positions which are not strictly the Chinese government, like the China Daily Line. They're often more hawkish and more aggressive. So they're an interesting publication. And um, they have an article about this 2011 adaptation, which they denounce as being inaccurate and gay. And I was like, hell yeah, inaccuracy and gayness in a classic Sounds interesting. Um, so I'm going to watch that and then share my thoughts on that. So that's all for this episode. Um, hope you've enjoyed it. The episode that's next, so in about maybe three weeks' time after my holidays, is going to be on Jiang Zilong's Empires of Dust. We may well have a cool guest on that episode. Cool guests only, of course. Um, in the interim, interim between uh, now and then, do give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter. Remember the Instagram, it's Trushafik. Twitter, it's Angus Likes Words. You can give me feedback on this episode. Tell me how bad my Scots readings were. I would like to hear that. Don't forget, you can support the show uh, through Patreon and buy me a coffee, but also by subscribing if you're not yet subscribed on whichever podcast provider that you like to use. And most importantly, by telling your friends... Tell your friends about the show, tell your brothers in arms, tell your sisters in arms, tell your dog, tell anyone who'll listen, really. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening. Be safe out there, watch out for tigers, and zai jian.